1: Coming up this hour, we're joined by Hannah Wehunt and Christy Anthony from SOS International to find out how you can rescue women and girls in situations of human trafficking today. Welcome back to the Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson. And today, I, the studio is full today. This is very, very exciting. So, first of all, my regular co host, Brian Fromm, is out on vacation. He's having a wonderful time. So, I am joined by Dan Ehrman, who is in charge of our strategic partnerships here at the radio station. Dan, thanks so much for filling in for Brian today.
2: Uh, those are big shoes to fill, but I'm glad to be here with you.
1: It's <laughs> so fun to have you. And then we are thrilled because we are joined once again by Christy, Anthony, and Hannah Wehunt. Christy and Anthony have been, uh, Christy and Hannah have been with us all month to, uh... Really invite the listener into the work of SOS International, and to allow us as followers of Jesus to partner with their work in in really trying to come alongside rescue and rehabbing women and girls all around the world who are living in situations of uh, trafficking, poverty, and more. And so, Christy and Hannah, it's it's our absolute honor to have you with us today. Thanks for being here. Thank
3: Thanks you. for having us We're on this morning. Sweet. So um, I think,
1: Christy, we'll just start with you. Would you tell us a little bit about what, who you are and what you do?
3: Yeah, of course. So my name is Christy Anthony, and I'm the Director of Operations here at SOS. I have had a long career with SOS. I'm at 15 years here now. I sit as part of our executive leadership team. Um, but I really have the joy and honor of getting to work with our different projects and partnerships and models and seeing the way that donor funds are impacting children's lives and kind of sitting in that tension of, um, you know, making the biggest impact possible with all of the donations we receive and getting go- to go through and really implement really quality projects that are transforming lives and doing strategic work inside of communities about how you can better impact communities. And mm. so it's really fun. It gets really nerdy. Sometimes they make fun of me because I like geek out over stupid things, but I <laughs> absolutely awesome. love Um, just the process of community development and the principles of transformation that go in and, and to see lives transformed. Yeah. Yeah. That's
1: awesome. And then Hannah, what about you? Tell us who you are and what you do.
4: Yeah, um, I am our director of marketing. I've been on staff with SOS for about nine years. Um, And a lot of what my job is, is I get to go and um, kind of connect donors um, with the people that they're actually uh, giving to in projects. So I get to kind of introduce those people to each other virtually um, and just kind of let them know the impact that they're making and really get to see the tangible impact that they're making in changing people's lives. That's awesome.
2: Well, I've been encouraged all this month of hearing about the work of SOS International, but there may be folks joining us today that haven't heard that. Hannah, would you be able to unpack a little bit of who is SOS International? What do you guys do?
4: Yeah, so um, SOS International is a nonprofit that goes into underdeveloped communities all around the world, and we help secure at-risk children in those communities. So we do that through um, our four main areas of impact. We drill water wells, um, we also, we give water so it can look different than a drill water well. We have many models, but we give fresh water, we um, feed, we do a lot of feeding all around the world. Food is making children very vulnerable. So we feed, we give food, um, we rescue and rehabilitate um, victims of human trafficking, which is what we're talking about today. Um, and we come in and just do community development, whether that's through education, through mentorship programs, whatever that community needs to be secure for a child.
1: And then, Christy, one of the things that we're inviting our listeners to do is to give $150 today. You can actually do that by clicking on the SOS international banner at 1160hope.com. But that $150 is multiplied and used in powerful ways. Can you um, unpack for us, like, where does that money actually go?
3: Yes, for sure. So that $150 is going to empower basically a process of freedom in the life of a girl that has made that choice and is trying to rebuild her life. So it's going to provide housing, medical care, counseling, Um, all the things that she's going to need to live day in and day out feeding that education pathway. So basically it is that intermediate, it's that immediate intervention that's going to help unlock freedom for this girl in such a tangible way. You know, one of the things we hear a lot is like, what is my part in rescue? And through that $150, we are able to help transform that girl's life by making freedom possible. Mm,
1: Love that.
2: Huge. Well, when I look at ministry like this, uh, there's an aspect of this being kind of the hands and feet of Jesus in the lives, um, intercessing. Uh, But Hannah, I'm sure you've experienced stories of life change through this. Would you be able to kind of share a story of how you've seen God work in the lives of a woman or a family uh, through the work of SOS?
4: Yeah. I mean, one of the cool things about this project, so one of the hard things about this project is you're dealing with just the most devastated part of humanity, right? You're dealing with women locked in cages, right? So you're dealing with, in my opinion, hell on earth. Um, But one of the very cool things about that is the transformation that comes. I mean, we have women that, you know, were born in red light districts. 95% of girls born in red light districts will die in a red light district unless someone intervenes. And so one of our outreaches is we go in and we help children. Um, And we have children that were born in red light districts. They've come out. Now they have master degrees. Now they're in parliaments. Now they're um, helping shape and shift cultures around the world. And so, and you would never know if you met them, you would never know the devastation that happened in their lives. And so it is, it's this juxtaposition of really ministering in the pits of hell um, Mm. and, and helping women see that there can be a different way out. And then that freedom that comes, that transformation that comes. I mean, we have story after story, hundreds of women that have chosen to come to freedom and their lives are transformed and then they're going and transforming lives. Um, so So it's really incredible.
2: Well, I would encourage folks, you know, this is an opportunity for you to be part of what God is doing through SOS International. That's right. Uh, click on, uh, go to 1160hope.com, click on the SOS International banner. Your gift of $150 provides one month of refuge and recovery ministry, uh, to a woman and children, um, in trafficking. Uh, you know, this is a great opportunity. This is work that most of us can't be on the street mm-hmm. and help out, but we can come alongside and be part of what God is doing through SOS International by giving and, and, and sharing in this ministry. Uh, so, uh, you know, Hannah and Christy, we want to commend you all uh, yeah. for the work that you're doing. And Christy is, you know, you kind of uh, look at the structure of SOS. Talk about the stewardship of how you guys go about what you do um, at SOS and stewarding you know, these resources to impact women?
3: Well, obviously uh, stewardship's really important, especially when you're going up against organized crime, right? And so I am so thankful for our board of directors and we actually have a, our CFO is a CPA and they've put in place just um, some of the strongest standards of financial integrity uh they ensure that you know at least eighty cents on every dollar, if not more, uh which it varies year to year. I believe this year we're sitting at ninety three cents of every dollar goes directly towards projects, wow. and so that's really awesome. working to leverage those donations, another thing that we really like to do is to just like we're doing today with the match, right? you find another donor that's willing to come alongside and to really. Do that double impact where you're able to give $150, that $150 is matched. And now you're having double the impact. And we just get to see that happen all over the place. And so we're really thankful. We have a really amazing core group of, of donors and leadership who are really all in and committed. And they're really like financially savvy, smart individuals, which I'm really thankful for. And they're finding all of these creative ways to really leverage donations and make things go as far as possible. And I don't know about you guys, I have three kids. I know one hundred and fifty dollars a month is like cheap to support somebody for a month. I wish it only cost yeah. me one hundred and fifty dollars to my son a month, right? Seriously. So you're like, how is that even possible? But it's possible because of charities and foundations that we partner with. It's possible because of these matching funds. And so we're really able to go in and really leverage the impact of your gift today to have the most impact possible in the lives of these girls who are just at such a critical point. So we are so thankful for you guys and for the listeners today who are coming alongside and saying, I can do this. I can give $150, let my gift be matched and let's see freedom brought to so many women. So thank you for being part of that. Amen. I love that. Again, you can go to
1: 1160hope.com. You can click on the SOS International banner and give being a part of bringing freedom to girls and women today. You can also call 866-343-4717. It has been our honor to to get to partner with you this month, Christy and Hannah. Thank you so much for for allowing us to do this here at the station. Um, Hannah, one of the things that surprised me when we've talked earlier was how SOS International goes into meet physical needs, uh, like water, for instance, is an example. Can you talk to us about the vision? Like, what's the why behind that?
4: Yeah, so a lot of people actually don't make the connection between a child lacking water and a child being at risk of being trafficked. Um, But that's a massive vulnerability in a child's life. And traffickers, it's organized crime. traffickers are strategic. Traffickers know what communities have vulnerabilities in them. And if you look at the life of an at-risk child, the most um, immediate need that they have, the most immediate need all of us have is the need for food and water. And so when you come into these communities, um, we went into a community not too long ago, and we were actually doing feeding in this community. Um, And we were looking around and we realized, like, there are no little girls In this community. Mm -hmm. So we asked our local person, what happened to all the little girls? And through conversations, we found out that traffickers also knew that there was no food in that community, that they didn't have access to water. And they had come through right before us and they had taken the little girls out of that community. And it's, you know, it's a mix of things. We talk about when a girl's trafficked, she's often tricked and her family's tricked. So mm. they promised jobs? or they promised mm. access to food? You know, these people are not actively trying to sell their children most of the time. Right. Um, but it's neighbors selling children. It's other com- community members. So when you come in and you provide water, when you come in and you provide food, you meet these basic needs, you are actively fighting human trafficking. Um, it is protecting at-risk children. So that's our why behind we why we're so passionate about food and water. That's
1: absolutely
2: wow. incredible. Yeah, it's really striking to see those correlations and to see how just those basic fundamental needs can, can uh, you know, make such an impact. Yeah. And it, I think it's incredible that you know, for us at AM 1160, we're able to partner with you in, in that impact. So if you haven't already, I'd encourage you to visit 1160hope.com, click on the banner for SOS International, and uh, there's a matching uh, gift so your gift of $150 providing one month of uh, rescue and re- rehabilitation for a woman is, is matched and it becomes two months. Or your your gift of $300 for two months becomes four months. And so I'd encourage you to become part of what God is doing through the work of SOS International and become a partner in that. So for, for you, Christy, uh, kind of backing up a little bit, Uh, Talk about how you got involved in working with SOS International and kind of your legacy and story in this.
3: So I've always been really passionate about development work. Um, I studied undergraduate. uh, My undergraduate degree is in international business. And I always knew I wanted to be part of what's going on globally and beginning to change the story. And I didn't intend to get involved in the human trafficking initiative. Um, and I kind of stumbled into it and, and I feel like once you begin to be exposed to it and once you meet these girls and, and see their bravery and see the fierceness of these women who've come out and have had their lives restored and how passionate they are about helping others, you can't help, but be passionate about it. And so I had shared with Aubrey last, uh, in some of our earlier recordings, but I actually had a moment inside of a red light Mm -hmm. district Where I was walking with a friend who was a former madam and she began sharing her story in the context of where her trafficking had happened, where the abuse Mm. in her life had happened. And then she began expressing all of this bravery and fierceness and and just gritty trust of this can be different. And so she's going to give her life that nobody else would have to die in that hell hole and, and mm. walking with her and hearing that story and, and seeing that resolve. It's like there, this resolve rose up in me too of like, man, I can't personally combat trafficking around the globe. Right. But I can yeah. be part, right. I'm not asked to take on it all. I'm asked to do what I can do with what I've been given. And so ever since that moment, it's it's become that cry of like, okay, there are more slaves alive in the world today than at any other time in history. Mm-hmm. I don't want to pass that that legacy down to my daughters and grandchildren, right? I want to be part of of stepping up in faith and, and knowing this can be different, right? Knowing that we can rewrite this story, that we can take generations of slavery and we've seen it work, Dan. We have seen young girls like Hannah said, born into red light districts, coming into freedom, changing the trajectory of generations and taking generations of slavery and replacing it with generations of hope. We know that this works, right? We're we're not trying to figure this out. We've watched it happen for 30 years. And so, you know, for me, it's, it's that resolve of this should be different. Girls should not be kept in cages girls are not there for abuse. We need to not only stop trafficking, we need to rewrite this narrative that says a woman's value is based on her body. It's based on her looks. And, and we see it so vibrantly around the world, but I'm going to tell you it's happening in our culture too. Yeah. And so we have to rise up and we have to begin to change these statistics using whatever we have in our hands. So as you can tell, I get a little passionate, Dan. Sorry, <laughs> Sorry for that. One. I love it. Oh, Christy, you're you're preaching. It's so good.
1: And and again, listener, we, we really do see this as an invitation for you to be a part of doing what Christy's talking about, rewriting the narrative for for young girls for women around the world, and you can do that by going to 1160hope.com, clicking on that SOS International banner, and giving a gift that will be matched today. I think that's so incredible that we have a matching donor today, and so your gift will not only help a a young girl, a woman, for a month, but it could go two months. It could go four months based on what you give, so you have an opportunity to do that today at 1160hope.com. Hannah, I would love to turn things over to you for a minute and just ask, I've asked you this before, but I, I think it's a really powerful look into the work you do. It's got to be hard seeing the evil so um, just prevalent, especially where you guys are on the ground. How do you keep going? Like, what are the stories? What's the um, what's the why behind what you do?
4: Yeah, um, it is very hard. You know, it is dealing with a type of evil. I think that we would rather pretend doesn't exist. And that's really what it is. It's, it's evil. Um, you know, I've had the honor of sitting with women, um, and hearing their stories, which it is an honor. And I think that that's the, that it, that's the hard part, right? Is it's so hard to hear, but I know with everything in me, it's an honor to get to hear these stories. You know, it is because, um, someone needs to hear their stories. Someone needs to listen to where they've been. Um, but you hear these stories of, you know, women who were brutalized, um, in unimaginable ways. Um, and then you through sitting with them, you know, through saying, Hey, I'm here with you. I'm in this pit with you. I'm, I'm going to stay here with you. Um, you see hope enter their situation. I mean, I think that's the reality for all of us, right? Everything that SOS does is through community, So even rescue it's through community because community is what gives us hope community is what gives us life. And so, um, you know, for me, it is, it's a hard thing, but it's an honor thing. It's an honor that I'm getting to do this. Yeah. And, um, the hope that comes when you sit in the pit with a woman and say hey this is really hard but but we can get you out of this like Mm -hmm. there are ladders to be found Mm -hmm. there are other people who have done this you can do this um and i think that's the cool thing about what we've done is we get, we've gotten to see, it. we have 30 plus years of work in this area. Savannah. So we have hundreds of women that can now testify to that woman. Hey, I was there and I'm not there anymore. You can come out. And the power that that brings, it just, it's a snowball effect. Yeah. You know, when you see someone else who's walked a similar road to you, find freedom, it gives you a hope that you wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Christine and Hannah, thank you so much. They'll continue to be with us after the break. And we're going to hear more about how you can partner with the work of SOS International today. But look, don't wait. Go to 1160hope.com. Click on that SOS International banner at the top of the page. And like Hannah said, you can be a ladder. You can help build that ladder for women and girls to get out of their pit. And you can do it in Jesus' name, for the glory of God and for the future generation. So again, go to 1160hope.com. And as always, we want to invite you to engage with us on social media, at Common Good Talk, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. But most of all, what we want you to do is go to 1160hope.com, click on that SOS International banner, and be um, a part of supporting this incredible ministry around the globe today. One of the things that we were talking about on the break, ladies, is that even in the States, the statistics are, you know, one in four One in four women and children before the age of 18 will be the victims of completed or attempted sexual assault in her lifetime. And I'll be vulnerable with the listener. I've been sexually assaulted twice as a teenager, once when I was 13 and once when I was 17. My story is nothing compared to some of these women and girls in cages around the world. And yet my heart goes, oh, I know what that feels like to be victimized. Oh, I know the shame that that is. I know that I know how that can, like, limit you and threatened to destroy who you are and like walking with your head held high and seeing a future for yourselves. And so when I hear you tell these stories, I feel like these are our women and our girls and our sisters and our aunties and our mamas that are going through this. And I, I guess with that in mind, cause it is so heartbreaking. Um, I would love to hear, Hannah, you, you've you talked about some stories of hope. Can you just give us a picture of what hope could look like or hope has looked like around the world for women and girls with SOS International?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think, Aubrey, what you said really does hit it right on the nail of um it could be us. It could be me. It could be my niece. It could be my daughter. Um, and I think sometimes when we deal with something like human trafficking, right, we automatically go towards thinking of the other, Oh, that's somewhere, someone else, somewhere else far away. But really the realities of like, man, there are more, we have more things in common than we have apart, just as humans, we have more things in common. Um, and it's incredible, man, these stories of hope. Oh, I could give you so many stories of hope, Aubrey. We could be talking for days. Awesome. Um, I was actually just speaking with one of our girls in a project. And um, she, was, she was born in a red light district. Um, and her mom actually passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, but before her mom passed away, her mom's friend... Um, Her mom said to her friend, please take care of my daughter. And so one of the really cool outreaches that we do in red light districts is we provide a safe place for children to sleep at night. Um, Because if a child is in a red light district, that child is vulnerable. Mm. And so this friend, who's now become her mother, found out about this outreach that we do, and she actually asked, will you take this sweet little girl. Will you take her? And so, um, she was raised inside of our projects and through her relationship with her auntie, her auntie has come out and she, 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 and we have stories like that. Oh my gosh, Aubrey, I can't tell you the generational change that happens when one person decides. And it's cool because it's, it's generational underneath you, right? So that girl's daughters, they're not going to be born in red light districts. They get freedom, but she's actually knocked the, she's knocked the scale. So she's changing the generations above her as well. And she's helping pull them to freedom. Um, and that woman now is one of our outreach team members and she's helping pull people to freedom every day. So the impact that happens, um, the hope that spreads, once you just ignite a little bit of hope, man, it can spread like wildfire and it can transform lives that you would never imagine. Um, it can just take hold in a community.
1: Oh, that's amazing.
2: Well, if, if you haven't already part, you know, participated in this, this is an opportunity for you to get involved and to give $150 or $300 or $3,000. And that's going to be matched today uh, from a generous donor. And so you can join us at 1160hope.com. Click on the SOS International banner and follow the link to give there. Uh, You know, we talk about these heavy, weighty things, Christy and Hannah, and you operate in this space every day uh, as you go about this. Uh, But as Aubrey talked about, there's, you know, 25% of uh, you know, women and children have experienced abuse in, in in the U.S. I imagine there's listeners right now who have been victimized by this. And, you know, I, mm-hmm. if people are in that point of pain, uh, Christy, how how would you, uh, you know, kind of speak into the lives of, of people who are hurting, who have, have gone through this themselves?
3: Yeah, of course. Um, you know, when you watch watch is probably the wrong word. The thing is, is there are people around us every day that have known so much abuse, so much devastation. And I think sometimes as you're walking through that abuse, it can feel very heavy and very shameful. Mm -hmm. Um, and the truth is, is there is so much hope. And I think sometimes when you can come alongside somebody that has known that abuse has known that pain and, and they've experienced freedom, it stirs something up within us. Right. And so I think first off, I would say, I hate that you've known that, that pain and that abuse. Aubrey, I hate that you've known that, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's heartbreaking. And yet at the same time, um, I know that the story doesn't end there, right? I know that that doesn't define you. That's right. That's right. And that there is so much healing and that there is so much hope and that not only is that hope available for you and extended but that as you learn to embrace that hope as as you find hope in that place of devastation that not only does it unlock something inside of you but it positions you to walk alongside somebody else to be that same hope for someone else right and so don't get caught up in that pain and that shame and that lie but push through because hope is waiting for you healing Mm. is there and you don't dwell in that pit and i watch thousands and thousands of women and men, if I'm being honest, find that freedom and that healing. And it's here for you today. And so I would just encourage you that if that's your story, if that's where you've been, that you would pursue that, that healing that's available for you and that you would find ways to bring hope and healing to others. Because I think that that's oftentimes a, a pivotal part of that journey for us, right? Like, it's not just about my healing. It's not just about me being, but it's that coming alongside others and saying, not only will you not destroy me, but you don't get to destroy, destroy her either. There, it's that that power mm, of community, so of shoulder to shoulder. And so the truth is, is a lot of us have experienced it, but we have opportunities to find wholeness and health for ourselves and to be part yeah. of that force that says, not anymore. This is not okay. We are not okay with abuse continuing to ransack generations. And it's going to take mm. that rallying cry of a bunch of us standing up and saying, it's not okay to see that yeah. change in the midst of also bringing help and healing. Yeah.
2: Well, one of the things I love is that when we talk about hope, that we know that uh, our Lord is a redeemer, but He even redeems those lost years, mm. and so that those years of pain and hurt and mm-hmm. sorrow, that in the hope as we look toward Jesus, that um, He is He's able to sympathize with us in that pain, in that loss, in that sorrow, and you know that, that there's hope in Jesus, and that and there's hope for the thousands of women that are victims of trafficking and abuse that you all serve at sos international and so again i would see with with you is you know if you're listening now to uh participate to become part of what god is doing through the work of sos international visit us at 1160hope.com there's a banner there for sos international And I would encourage you to give generously um, and, and, you know, look at how God is going to take that and use that and move and work in the lives of women and children. And, uh, you know, you get to be part of that work. So if you haven't already, visit us at 1160hope.com and uh, click on the SOS International uh, banner. We're asking for $150, but we ask you to give generously as unto the Lord and to be part of that.
1: We've been thrilled to partner with them throughout the month here at AM 1160 to invite you to join hands with the work that they're doing around the world to rescue women and girls in situations of human trafficking. And we would love to invite you to go to 1160hope.com. There's an SOS International banner at the top of the screen. Click on that today and be a part of... I mean, literally, we're talking about rescuing lives, changing generations, impacting communities with freedom and with hope. You can do that today by going to 1160hope.com.
2: And I would challenge you to, you know, this is weighty, heavy, hard stuff that we're talking about. And we're really uh, challenging you as a listener to AM 1160 to step up and partner in this and, you know, to to really get into where the rubber meets the road of where God is meeting people in their uh, darkest hour of dark need and hard times. And, you know, one of the challenges that we see in this is that this is so dark that in some ways it's easier to just turn the blind eye, a blind eye to what's going on and to just say, there aren't things this terrible in the world. And, you know, we even see, you know, conversations in media uh, around this of, oh, you know, human trafficking isn't all that bad or, or this or that. But Christy, is you've worked in this field for 15 years You've seen boots on the ground of this. Uh, you know, share how human trafficking is impacting women and children in, you know, in Asia, Latin America, and even in our own backyard here in the U.S.
3: Oh, Dan, it's a very real evil in our world today. And I know a lot of times we like to politicize it or make it something that exists over there. And the truth is, is these girls are already the unseen segment of society. Right? They're the ones mm. that. They're not putting the wanted posters up and organizing the search parties for, right? These are the unseen segment of society. And a lot of this debate around human trafficking makes them continue to further be unseen. And so I can tell you, you know, I have worked with so many women in so many different neighborhoods and red light districts around the world. And I'm going to tell you, human trafficking is very much real. It is very much real in Asia. It is very much real in Latin America. It's very much real here in the U.S. And and it looks different in all of those places. But the lives that it is devastating is a very, very real thing. And honestly, you know, even as we sit here, the pandemic, we know the pandemic made human trafficking worse. And yet all of the studies and which I have, I'm amazed that they're able to pull out the statistics they do around human trafficking. We know all of the numbers around human trafficking are underreported. But they're already saying the pandemic is causing those numbers to rise astronomically. Anytime you have conditions where food prices rise, where energy costs rise, like it was already the poorest of the poor that were feeling the brunt of current food prices. You raise food prices, and now those people are even more vulnerable than they were before. And so we have a very real opportunity today to just be that, that hands and feet, that extension of hope to some girls whose lives are really, really hard. And we have that Mm. opportunity to come alongside, to partner in their freedom, and to bring so much freedom and hope to to girls who've truly been devastated by this horror of human trafficking. I've seen it, I've walked with them, and I know the transformation that's possible as we come alongside with that $150 that's going to be matched today to see that life transformation and that freedom happen.
2: Hannah... I was just going to say, too, of you know it we we read about um how the lord talks about you know when you know when did when did we see you in need jesus mm. and it becomes you know that that glass of water to a stranger and uh, a a meal and a helping hand and you know that that this is an opportunity for us to be those hands and feet of jesus in the world to tell a woman, a child, that you matter. You're an image bearer of God. That's right. And that that God wants to redeem you and give you hope and a future. And so, you know, when we visit at 1160hope.com and click on the SOS International banner, this is a holy moment. It's a moment for you to be part of what God is doing through the work of SOS. Aubrey?
1: Um, so we've talked about this $150 uh, amount, and I know that that provides holistic care for one rescued woman or child for one month. But because we have this generous donor, that's actually matched. And that $150 becomes $300, which provides holistic care for one rescued woman or child for two months. Can you talk to us about what does holistic care look like through SOS International?
4: Hannah? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, these girls have been, the girls that we bring into these programs, that we bring care to, um, a lot of them have been through a really intense abuse. And a lot of them have, you know, as one would expect, a lot of immune deficiencies. You know, we have a lot of medical expenses that have to go into this. There's a lot of physical medical care and there's a lot of mental medical care. There's a lot of, you know, they're malnourished often. So we got to get their bodies operating at a healthy rate, um, get their minds operating at a healthy rate one of the things that we also do is um we want to see these girls walk in full freedom and that means that they need a skill, a job, a passion, a dream to come alive in them, yeah. that their future can look different, that they never have to return to human trafficking, to their traffickers, you know? And so that looks like, um, vocational training that looks like education that looks like partnering with them to find out what are their passions, what are their desires and helping flan those flames and bring that alive in them. Um, you know, these are, we're dealing with organized crime. We have to deal with security issues. We have to deal with so many things that you wouldn't think of in an everyday life. So, I mean, if you think about it, it costs me way more than 150 to live a life for a month, you know, and there's all these added layers on it. So your gift today really, um, man, it's going to transform a woman's life. It is, we, we literally cannot take women if we do not have people partnering with us financially. Mm. We cannot do it, and so it is a direct link that you are helping someone receive a life of freedom, receive a life of hope. So good. Well,
2: this is a way that we can go before uh, the work of SOS International. We can uh, start to you know really create create a fund that allows them to go in and make that impact in that strategic moment when. The trafficker lets down their guard. Jesus can move in and make an impact uh, that 's going to rescue women, rescue children, make an impact into eternity, and in that uh, this is a way that we can be uh, doing evangelism in a way that is is being the hands and feet of Jesus, making a practical impact but also making a generational impact that's that right. can be resonant with the gospel and so If you haven't given already, you need to. This is a great way for you to partner in today. Visit us at 1160hope.com. Click on the SOS International uh, banner. Uh, You know That's going to prompt you to give $150, but I want to prompt you to give as unto the Lord. As you see Him making that impact, to give generously, because this is an opportunity for you to be part of that. And so, Christy and Hannah, we thank you for leading Mm -hmm. the way at SOS International and making an impact Uh, through your ministry. It's been a delight to hear about Mm -hmm. your work.
3: We just want to say thank you to both of you guys and to the entire 1160 AM family. Man, this is a heavy topic and it can feel weighty. And there is so much strength and encouragement in knowing that we don't walk there alone, right? That as you guys come alongside us, as your listeners come alongside us, as others around the U.S. do, that That as we stand together, there's so much that we can do together. And so we just want to say thank you. Thank you for giving us this platform and being a voice for these girls that don't have a voice. We are just so thankful that you guys would lean into this heavy topic in this space with us today. So thanks for allowing us to be a part of what you guys are doing with the 1160 AM family.
1: Oh, it's been our honor. Again, we've been joined by Christy Anthony and Hannah Wehunt from SOS International. And we would love to invite you, as we've all been saying, to go to 1160hope.com, click on that SOS International banner at the top of the page, and be the hands and feet of Jesus today, today, stepping into the lives of women and girls who desperately need hope and a future. We get to do that. This is so incredible to me that we get to do that today, again, by going to 1160hope.com. Dan, you and I got to participate in something earlier on this week. You actually were kind of the man behind the curtain at the Lyft conference. Can you tell our listeners about the conference? And then I thought you and I could just have a fun conversation about what we we learned, what we heard from pastors in the Chicago area and around the world, actually.
5: So at Salem Media, uh, we have always had a heart since the 1970s. We've had Bible teaching radio stations all over the country in the biggest cities. We reach over half of the U.S. population with our signals uh, you know, through Salem Media. And one of the initiatives we have always had has been to have pastor appreciation events. And so that's looked different at different times and in things, but we've consistently tried to provide a gathering for pastors to let them know we appreciate your serving the Lord. And part of what we've endeavored to do uh, with the uh, the series that we've called Lift is to really provide practical, hands-on uh, teaching and training for church leaders that would make an impact to you know what they're doing in ministry. And so, toward that end, we try to keep a pulse. of of what do we see as the challenges in the moment of church ministry mm-hmm. that we're in? And so one of those things that's unique to the Chicago area right now is we have like the most prominent evangelical megachurches have had really catastrophic leadership failures, yeah, and it's impacting hundreds of thousands of families across Chicago. And so we gathered a group of leaders to talk about, you know, how not so much, you know, to debrief and, you know, redux on, on what's going on, right. but we wanted to meet and talk about how do we minister to people who have been hurt, mm-hmm. who are in pain in navigating that. So we brought in uh, the former teaching pastor at Willow Creek steve carter uh, and then watson jones the third who is a pastor on the south side uh at compassion baptist church in chicago uh and he operates in between both the you know legacy historic black church in chicago but he's also been like a church planter in like the kind of exponential world and all of that wow. uh ashanti pettaway has been a pastor he's a counselor um And uh, David Jones uh, was the research pastor for James McDonald for many years and has been a pastor at Village Church of Barrington. Before that, he was on the English Standard Version Translation Committee, a core group of 14 people at Crossway um, back in the early 2000s. and I'm for, oh, Aubrey Sampson. I mean, obviously, uh, <laughs> Aubrey Sampson. <laughs> uh, author, radio host, uh, you know, conference speaker, and, uh, uh, you know, fellow church planner with mm-hmm. Kevin uh, at Renewal in West Chicago. Uh, so, uh, you know, all of you, oh, and, and Chris, Chris Lash, Lash is, right. is the, uh, at Judson, he's kind of their chaplain, he's their dean of university ministries, is his title. Yeah. Um, and so to have all of you have a cross section of the church in mm-hmm. you know with with folks who may not ordinarily interact with each other right. as ministry leaders to have a conversation together with other church leaders talking about, you know, what would it look like for us to be part of God bringing healing and restoration mm-hmm. and renewing faith um, and to see God move in our generation um, and to pick up these pieces that that was kind of the vision of Lyft uh, this week. And I was so encouraged to, mm-hmm. to hear what you all shared. Uh, it was really a a dynamic conversation.
1: I think that what was fascinating for me, I, I got to moderate it at Dan is that I expected the conversation to go one way. So I sort of thought it was going to be practical help for people in our churches who are either deconstructing or walking away from their faith or aren't trusting the church anymore because of these leadership failings. What it ended up being, I think in the same wheelhouse was more about the pastor's heart and making sure that. Our hearts are in the right place before the God, before God, so that we don't cause that kind of failure anymore, or so that failure stops with us. And it surprised me a little. I mean, it made sense as I've reflected back on yeah. it, but it surprised me that the conversation went that way. Was that was that surprising to you at all?
5: Yeah, it was a little bit, and I was really encouraged by it, mm-hmm. though, in that. Uh, you know, Steve Carter uh, shared, you know, that as he goes out to preach and every Sunday as he walks back to his car, having preached, he talks about, I'm one week closer to finishing well. That was well. so good. And there's this element of, uh, for church leaders, where it's incumbent on us before the Lord to to. Me- you know, that God would make us That's first right first. That's right. In that. And, you know, I found that I've always worked in between business and ministry. Mm. And that can be, uh, uh, icky sometimes. Yeah, sure. But, If you're before the Lord in your own heart with that, and you're really trying to steward things well and to do it well. So like I used to design and build church buildings, Mm. or do I still do real estate for churches. And when I do that, if I try to really partner with the local church and do it that work well as unto the Lord, there's a joy that comes in that work. And it's not icky, but it's actually, you get to almost be a deacon for hire in in different local churches. Churches. And so, for church leaders, there's this element of if we're doing it right before the Lord, mm-hmm. there's joy mm-hmm. in that work. And then, it, 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 when when we're in that right place, then we can step into you know being part of what God yeah. is doing and bringing uh, hope and restoration and healing yeah. and life and flourishing in Chicago. That's
1: right. One of the things that I appreciated that uh, Watson Jones the third talked. About about was how if there are moments when he's about to lead something, perhaps a sermon or a meeting, or you know, there's some type of effort that he feels like, okay, it's time God is calling me to lead this. But if he's got a sense in his spirit, a flag in his spirit, or any sort of check from the Holy Spirit that, like, ooh, my soul is not right before God right now, or my my ego's leading this, my anger's leading this, not I'm not in a good place with the Lord, he really said then I will challenge myself to step back. Maybe that means I'm not preaching that Sunday. Maybe that means I'm not leading that meeting. And Dan, that to me was like, very counterintuitive for a pastor because you know pastors are like no I'm the one who has to lead I have to preach no matter what I can, what ha- the church would fall apart if I didn't do these things but he was saying I think challenging all of us that if our souls are not in the right place before the Lord then we shouldn't be leading at all and sometimes mm-hmm. that means stepping back and waiting on God to do in us what he needs to so that what comes out of us like you said is joy and flourishing and goodness and honors jesus and doesn't just honor ourselves and i don't know that there's a lot of pastors out there that would say okay i'm going to step back this sunday and not preach
5: well, it, we're, we're so inclined to put on a 75 minute performative show on Sunday true? mornings. Yeah. And it, it's stepping back is saying, no, this gathering for teaching the word, for fellowship, for worship together and singing and songs and in spiritual songs that that gathering together is really supposed to be this dynamic Um, of, of exchange. And, Mm. you know, even, even in our architecture of our spaces, we have this structured toward looking toward the front, toward that one person, toward the band, toward, you know, and if we forget that we're gathered to worship the Lord together Mm. and it's not the performance of the pastor uh, to preach or the performance of the singer to sing, but the leadership to gather our hearts as one to make much of Jesus. Yeah,
1: amen. Dan is in charge of strategic partnerships here at the station.
3: Did I say your title right, Dan?
5: It, yeah, there's a lot of words and it just means that I get to connect with a lot of church leaders, ministry leaders, uh, business leaders, and uh, be a conduit between uh, the station and trying to really just get a sense of what's God doing in Chicago. Mm. And, you know, how can AM 1160 partner with the local church to make much of Jesus, to be part of uh, just being useful to the kingdom of God and stewarding uh, the resource of, you know. Twenty-four-seven, being able to uh, proclaim the gospel right. on, on AM eleven sixty, and so that's what we're about. And you know, to be able to look at Chicago specifically here on the Common Good and uh, get a, a you know a little encapsulation of that was really you know filled me with joy to see the gathering at Lift mm-hmm. of different church leaders from around Chicago uh, this week uh, sharing. And you know, I, I thought the dynamic of having Ashanti Petaway there was really interesting where you know he is both a pastor and a counselor uh he has a ministry where he really tries to get into the underserved communities in chicago and provide biblical counseling to people who can't afford biblical counseling but desperately need it yeah uh just a he had so many poignant uh insights in that conversation of you know how do we work toward healing in the church mm-hmm. and Uh, healing in ourselves as well as, as, you know, as church leaders.
1: I agree. I I really appreciated his wisdom. There was even there was I'll pull back the curtain a little bit. There was a moment where he modeled for us, I think, how to care for someone really, really well. And just that I I agree that bridge between the mental health community, the underserved in Chicago, and then his pastor's heart was so beautiful. I, I think everyone brought something so unique to the table. I appreciated Chris Lash, bringing us kind of the younger generation's um, difficulty with the church. Like he was talking about how, why do they even need to go to church? Because they think they've got church on TikTok. They're deconstructing the church to such a point that they don't even see the value of like embodied community worshiping Jesus together. And so his like pain points that he's ministering to are so different than someone like David Jones, who's been a long time pastor, you know, heading up a church for several years before that, like you said, at Harvest. So to have different spectrums across Chicagoland in different, even generations of ministry, I felt like we could, we could have sat there and talked all day. Um, But what, what the Lord did in that hour and a half was so, so meaningful.
5: Well, and I I think in you talking about Chris Lash and this desire for, you know, young people to look at church and be like, why do I even need Mm -hmm. that in my life? we're seeing that in a, not just in you know gen z or millennials we're seeing that in older generations right, in Aunt. the church too and so toward that end we see that as another topic that's really poignant and purposeful for the church in this moment in Chicago of how do we encourage people to come back to church to see God work in local community? And what is that call? What's going to not just effectively market and draw people in, but how do we make disciples of Jesus who live and flourish. And so we're gonna do a series of LIFT events this year. So that was our first one uh, this last week. If you missed it, come to our event in May. We're gonna have that at uh, the Bridge Church um, with uh, Pastor Scott Ziegler will be part of that. Aubrey and Brian will uh, you know, kind of being co moderators, but also participants. And, you know, as you guys are church leaders yourselves. Um, and then Tara Beth Leach from uh, Christ Church of Oak Breck. Did I say her name right?
1: Yes, that is her name. She's fantastic okay. too. She's worth coming out Phenomenal. to hear. Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah. So, it, and we're still talking to one or two other uh, church leaders to see if they can be part of this too. So, you know, another dynamic panel discussion. And we're even working on trying to find an expert on kind of church attendance and, you know, talking. Through through that, cool. so uh, that's still you know in in the making, but that looks like it's going to be on Thursday, May seventeenth. I think I got that date right. Sorry.
1: No, that's great. Bye. Thursday. How, well, where can people um, find and, and follow all things Lyft so that they know what the date actually is?
5: So it's actually the nineteenth Thursday, the nineteenth. Okay, nice. forgive me, um, and uh, that. Uh, uh, you can find this at 1160hope.com because we're still kind of you know you're getting kind of the preview sneak peek at this right now we don't have the website up uh, yet but you know I think next week we'll have it up so uh, you'll go to 1160hope.com and we'll have it in a banner right at the top you know we usually have like five banners there at the top of our webpage so you can grab one of those and it'll be there uh, for you to sign up these are free events again Salem Mm wants to be a resource to church leaders, That's to right. the local church. And so we'd encourage you, you know, if, if you're, you know, even if you're a small group leader mm-hmm. and you can break away on a Thursday morning mm-hmm. from work or life and join us, we'd invite you to be there. We'll have refreshments and coffee and uh, good fellowship as well yeah. and times to connect with church leaders you might not ever interact with. And, and so that is a unique opportunity.
4: Yeah. Our, our
1: worship pastor at Renewal Church actually attended and he was so blessed and so so blown away. And so I think that's a good point, Dan. This is for anyone who's in church leadership. If you're leading a small group, if you're on your deacon board, if you're an elder, if you're just a very passionate volunteer, if you're a pastor, this is a place to come and be encouraged and be refreshed and make connections. And like Dan said, we are here not to to rehash the failings of leaders, but really to make much of Jesus, to build up the church for the kingdom of God and I love, I love our Lyft events because of that. Dan, um, let me ask you a kind of a quick question. I'll put you on the spot because Lyft events in the past, my husband Kevin was even like, these used to be massive, but you made yeah. a very strategic, intentional decision to move to a more intimate, uh, sev- like you were saying, several different conferences over the year. Can you talk about yeah. what led to that change? Part of
5: it was COVID. We couldn't meet. This is like the first live event we've had in like two and a half years. Wow! So um, so COVID like shut all that down for a while, and so there. That's a dynamic to it. Some of it was. It's a big ask to say come and hang out with us for seven or eight hours for a whole day straight and listen to two preachers and three, uh, you know. uh, conversations and then a couple breakouts and lunch. That's a big commitment. And so this is something where it's hour and a half, two hours. You can squeeze in a half a day to drive there, hang out, meet a few pastors, maybe grab lunch with somebody on the way out. Uh, That's very doable. Uh, So that's part of it. Some of it, too, is that uh, we really want to provide practical, hands-on stuff oh, that, uh, you know, it's one thing, you know, to be able to have a big event and a big to-do and, you know, gather in a banquet hall and have a nice meal and everybody's in a suit <laughs> and you have a famous preacher come <laughs> right, in. Right, right. Right. The, the Church is not about making famous preachers mm, amen the The proclamation of the Gospel is about making disciples and for people to find flourishing and life and hope and that looks like it can be the house church around the corner it can be the small faithful community church with you know, 110 people on a Sunday, and it can be a mega church. And all of those different practices and even nuances in theology is about um, that, that people uh, would be able to find Jesus and that God would speak into them and meet them where they're at. Because the beauty in the local church is not the the preacher, it's not the worship leader, yes. it's not the people on stage. The beauty is Jesus.
1: Amen. The
5: attraction is Jesus. Amen. And and so when when we can point people toward Jesus through different uh, practices and faith, AM 1160 wants to be part of making much of Jesus in Chicago to inviting you into the local church. And, you know, we just did a survey and 25% of the listeners to AM 1160 don't attend a local church. Wow. And so if you're listening right now and you've never been in a local church or you just kind of blow that off, there's a joy and a hope and flourishing in your life. So I would invite you, Find a local church right. in your community. You know, maybe it's a preacher on AM eleven sixty. Maybe you just Google it. Yeah. And you know, find a church though and and show up. Yeah. See what it looks like to attend day in and day out and see what God starts to do in your life and shaping who you are, that you get to have spiritual eyes and ears that you can be a witness to what God is doing in your community. Because if you don't show up, you can't see God at work. That's right. But if you're there and part of it, you get to witness that and we get to proclaim as witnesses to future generations into eternity what we saw God do. Amen.
3: Dan,
1: you're preaching. I'm so glad that you're here with us today on The Common Good. I love, love hearing your heart for Jesus and for the church. In the face of some of the failings of the mega church pastors that we've seen here in the Chicagoland, but even in just the last few weeks around the world, it was yeah. so refreshing to hear a panelist of pretty influential pastors talking about how their heart before the lord needs to be right. Our heart before the lord needs to be right before we're leading. And if we're if we are not leading out of a out of a right heart before god, then that's going to lead to our own destruction and to the devastation of the church, which is what we've seen especially over the past few weeks. Uh, Brian Houston's story, the pastor in Canada. I mean, so many of these devastating stories again and again and again. Go ahead, Dan.
5: Yeah, I... I look at it as uh kind of the height of the celebrity pastor was the preachers and sneakers, Instagram account. <laughs> right. uh, and you know, it's, the, it's height almost and like the,
1: the lowest point. Let's be honest. That, yeah. Exactly.
5: Exactly. And it becomes stuff where uh, when it goes over the top, it's almost like uh, it, when you're investing in the economy and you're, you've got a, the stock market and it just boils over to like a crazy manic stage. Mm. We've seen that in, in, you know, the evangelical church, both in America and the larger West is, you know, in in even us being on the radio right now, there's a dynamic of that at play of like, in in like we did our lift event and you know, who do you bring in to be on the stage? And that name starts to matter. And so like you can start to second guess yourself. Mm -hmm. And so that's when it becomes incumbent. And I fall back on again and again and again of, am I doing this right before the Lord yeah. and it's not like your motives are ever perfect and, and pure this side of sin sure, still sure. being in us but we're being renewed yeah. and we get to see God work and so you know are we putting ourselves before the Lord in these things and not trying to make our name great and build mm-hmm. our brand but to build up the 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 name of Jesus, because when we take that glory and put it on ourselves, or if we take that glory and we pick our favorite preacher Mm. and we lift up their name and put them on a pedestal, that's giving glory to that preacher in well, fundamentally we want to give glory to Jesus. Right. And so it be because that weight of glory, if we put it on ourselves or put it on others, it crushes yes, it does. But when we put the weight of glory on Jesus, mm. the author and perfecter of our faith, mm. who endured the cross, despised the shame, and he is lifted up That's and right. in that we are lifted up in him. That's right. And so that highest place is on our knees at the foot of the mm. cross again
4: today.
1: Oh, it's so good, Dan. I, I do think something Brian and I talk about a lot on the show is just the idea of the celebrity pastor. And I have some mixed feelings because I think, one, it's so twisted. I mean, there should not be a celebrity pastor for those of us who proclaim the name of Jesus. Because like you said, our, we are here to glorify one name alone, and that is the name yep. of Jesus two i do think sometimes we can go oh it's the mega church's fault oh it's the celebrity pastor's fault and then not look at our own hearts And not look at our own sin and our own brokenness and our own ego. Like, it can become an easy scapegoat to go, oh, well, it's just because they led a massive church. Oh, it's just because. And so I I think we have to be mindful and careful about both. Yes, when a a pastor gains so much influence and favor that they are sort of above the fray and above accountability— that's sin. That's wrong. That's evil. Period. But also, we can't only blame that. Like we have to, we have to know that the hearts of men are evil the, above all else. And yet, yeah. God is renewing us. So, we, uh, yeah, there's some accountability. I think we have to, we have to take uh, credit for as well.
5: We do have the big mega churches in Chicago where we've had failings, and there's a mess. But you know what? There's as many people hurt who attended small, little churches yes. where there was. Still moral failure and, you know, power issues. I, I mean, some of this comes back to that common equation of uh, sex, money, and power. And totally. those become – and those impact – Th- those can impact and get in are insidious mm-hmm. and can get into the house church and the mega church right. and the local community church. And so all of those things, you know, Aubrey, and I, we've talked about this a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. of uh, these things are idols that we have seen. C- Pagan cultures worship yes. throughout human history, yes. and we're seeing it in our generation. And it might take on a different name and a different look, and not be a Baal, or you know, mm-hmm. or or an Asherah pole. Yep. Is that? Yeah, I say that right. It, it, it may not look like that, but it's going to look like that idol of sex, money, and power in our generation. And it's incumbent on each of us. To really allow the Holy Spirit to move and to heal in us, so that we can be His hands and feet, and not be grasping toward that power and mm-hmm. that glory and that worship of ourselves or those things mm-hmm. that are not worthy of being worshipped.
1: That's right, and I think it's incumbent on us too. And you know, I'm just as guilty of this as anyone else. But what when we are talking about church? What are we talking about? Like, are we talking about the pastor that we watch online because we love his? Or her, you know, videos, and they're such a powerful preacher, or are we talking about like the gathering in our local community of people yep. who are following after Jesus together? And so I think that's even a whole nother layer of this, Dan, is we've so confused what it means to be a part of a church body, a church family, the family of God, with yep. just consuming something online. And that's a new problem, right? I mean, that—that that is a... I don't even know how to begin unpacking it, but I think we do have to acknowledge it and begin to be aware of it.
5: Yeah, and it, it's stuff where uh, the good part of this whole conversation around deconstruction of like reevaluating the history and practice yeah. of what you do in the local church, the great part about that is, is that it's allowing us to revisit what is essential, mm. what is those things that are about being the hands and feet of Good. Jesus, about those Acts, uh, you know, uh, two forty two principles of you know a proclamation of the word and the breaking of bread and the fellowship and what's the fourth one? Uh, but you know those things being yeah. the core elements of being the church yeah. in that community. And so I'd encourage folks again. I mean, we talked about this last segment, but be part of a local church. So good. Yeah. Get in. You know what? You might get hurt. It might be a little bit messy, but you also might see God show up. And what would that impact be in your community that you get to be part of it and share to the glory of God into eternity Amen. about what he's doing in our generation?
1: Amen. Thanks for that word, Dan. Dan, it's been so fun having you hey. here today.
5: Well, it's been great to join you. And Aubrey, it's a gift for you to be able to share on The Common Good every day. I love that you are on the air here on AM 1160 representing us, but also talking about the church, talking about Jesus, and having a little bit of fun along the way.
1: That's right. And that's actually what we're going to do today. We're going to have a little fun. So I, I don't know if you know, there's a major April holiday coming up and it's not easter it's april fool's day
5: oh buddy so, um, okay Dan,
1: <laughs> april fool's day is kind of a terrible holiday i don't even know if we could call it a holiday because it's definitely not holy but are you a prankster are you not a prankster how do you feel about pranks
5: it's a great day to work remotely
1: a <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> good answer um, good answer
5: yeah. There's no getting away from it. Whether you're, you know, on social media or yeah. you know, with people, yeah. uh, you, you get somebody like your producer Keith who, who comes on board and just look out. The, <laughs> the creativity never lacks. I
1: heard, a, I heard a pastor over the weekend at a church that I was speaking at say that he thought it'd be a good idea to write someone's name from the office. Like in a pair of underwear and then just leave it on the bathroom floor. Like that would be his type of uh his favorite type of April Fool's day joke.
5: Go fish. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's what I thought too. I was like, nah, I don't think no. so. You're reaching a little bit there. Okay, well, one of the things we like to do here on the Common Good, especially at the end of every show, is just do something to bring a smile to your face. And uh I like trivia, Dan, so I'm gonna put you on the spot.
4: Oh boy. Maybe
1: make you the April Fool's or the April genius. And ask you uh, some or the April Fool. <laughs> <laughs> April Fool, or the April Genius. I'm gonna ask you some questions, some trivia questions about the holiday. All right, so here we go. Are you ready? No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, it's multiple choice, so I mean, you know, the worst thing you'll All do is right, pick. All right, let's the rock do it. Deal. Okay, here we go. What is one theory for the origin of April Fool's Day? Here's the first one. There was a superstition about babies being born on April 1st being a little dim. There was a change to the calendar caused by confusion in France. Or King George III was born on April 1st and people thought he was stupid.
5: I'm gonna blame the French.
1: Okay, let's blame the French. <laughs> and you are correct. Oh yeah. Well, well done. All right. Okay. Here we. For
5: my father-in-law, there's a there's a good bonsoir for you. And, you know,
1: it's... <laughs> is, he, is he a French guy? <laughs>
5: he, he, when he traveled throughout Canada, uh, that was the uh, running joke of being bonsoir as he walked down the street.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, that's for him. That's for your father-in-law. Okay. Now, right. now here's a question. About where that calendar confusion came from? Are you ready? Uh, April was added to the year in the 1500s, but not everyone knew. French people celebrated the new year based on the Julian, not Gregorian, calendar, or no one knew how to read a calendar.
4: Ooh,
5: I'm going to go with B again. Hey, okay. French people uh, but... celebrated
1: the new year based on the Julian. Not you are correct.
5: Come on. Look at you. You, nice. you know so
1: much about, you know, so much about the I'm holiday. You didn't even know. When
5: in doubt, blame the French. And okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Here's a, here's another one about the calendar interpretation. Some people argue okay. that the calendar interpretation is not true. Why? A, because legal recognition of the Julian New Year was during Easter, not April 1st. B, because the French traditionally celebrated the New Year on January 1st. Or C, both.
5: Ooh, I'll go with A okay. this time and, and leave the French. Leave alone. the French. Good
1: call. Oh, you're wrong. It's actually because oh. <laughs> we're blaming the French again. It's because the French had a legal New Year during Easter. Come on. <laughs>
3: All right. I, wow.
5: I've heard that right now, like during the the uh, the Jewish calendar, uh, because it. Operates kind of on like the lunar schedule. Uh-huh. That right now we're in this period where they have like an extra month that oh. they add in, and so that there's not actually like a, a month allocated to where we are or just were in in the calendar. Oh. And so there there's like a makeup season in in kind of that no way. Uh, Jewish calendar. Historically, has yeah, some really interesting oh, stuff so around calendars and. Yeah,
1: yeah, that is so. Stand that's very interesting. Okay, this we're we're just keeping with the French theme, Dan. I have another one, and I'm I am expected to uh, like pronounce French words for you. So I'm gonna do my best here, and I just need you to go. Je with ne parle
5: pas, pas français. <laughs> <laughs> oui,
1: oui, monsieur. Okay, <laughs> what is the French term for April Fool's Day? Is it imbécile d'avril? Is it poisson d'avril? Or is it fou de avril d'avril? d'avril?
5: Oh, I like the imbecile. The yeah, a. we gotta go
1: with that one. Hopefully it's a poisson is fish, right? So it's probably not fish. Mm-hmm. Oh, it is Poisson d'Avril!
5: Come on. Yes,
1: that is the oh. official French term for April Fool's Day. Okay.
5: <laughs> fishy, this fishy language. This, <laughs> this, yeah, je it's je a suppose. little bit a little bit
1: <laughs> sketchy. Alright, let's see if we have what <laughs> we have one more related to the fish. Why? It is uh, fish in the official French title, okay? A, because fish are stupid like fools. B, because fish smell like fools. Or C, because no one really knows for sure.
5: I like B. That's kind of funny. Fish
1: smell <laughs> like fools. The answer is because no one really knows for uh... sure. All right. So, uh, do you, uh, maybe a trick that we need to do is put some fish, tuna fish, in Brian Fromm's chair while he's gone and when he comes back he'll get an april fool's joke that's too mean probably right
5: oh it'll be mean to his co-workers have to oh, walk yeah, by yeah you know? that's,
1: that's us that's us we'll have to think a little more creatively about what we can do for brian how how,
5: how many offices have rules against like putting fish in the microwave i mean it's you know, terrible it's, it's, right
1: you absolutely
5: uh, if 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 you ever bring fish to work and you put it in a microwave, like there should be a rule at your office place if there's not, and out of common courtesy, don't do that. <laughs> Just don't, don't do, do, it. do that
1: Don't do it. <laughs> do you have a have you ever had a good prank like played on you? Or have you ever played a good April Fool's Day prank?
5: You know, I think I've had a couple where um, like they somebody said something and it had me going. I'm trying to remember the particulars on it. I can't right offhand. I apologize. No, but that's okay. Yeah, i've I've been had a couple times, really bad. And like, you know, kind of. There's nothing worse than when you're made to be. I the
1: agree. Fool afterward. I agree. And, I hate. Uh, I hate pranks. I hate April Fool's Day because of that. It. I don't know. I feel like it's so like demeaning, and you're so vulnerable, and it's terrible. <laughs>
5: But then you get guys like Keith who know how to do that joke well yeah. and pull it off. Yeah. And like Keith is one of those guys who uh, you're our producer here who, who can kind of beat you up verbally and you like him for it. He <laughs> it's just, endearing. He's just somehow. one of those guys. It's, it's endearing. <laughs> yes. I love it. Oh, that's so. so
1: fun. Well, Dan, thanks so much for like <laughs> hanging in there with our April Fool's Day trivia today. We've loved having you here today. Thanks so much for joining us.
5: Well it's really my pleasure and you know it's been exciting to see uh how God is moving and working you know through his church through his people Amen. and that It's to God's glory that he condescends to allow us to be part of his work in the world. And, you know, in some ways it would be an April Fool's joke Mm. that God would use the church to be his hands and feet, you know, here in Chicago. And we get to be part of it. And, you know, what a delight to to be part of what God is doing in this place, in this time.
1: Oh, amen. Such a good word, Dan. And thank you listeners for joining us today. We'll be back again tomorrow from 4 to 6 p.m. For Dan Ehrman, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life.